So good afternoon. We want to welcome you to the Friday edition of our district and county podcast for Delnort County Unified School District and Delnort County Office of Education. For those of you I haven't met, my name is Jeff Harris and I am the superintendent of schools for both the county and the district. Um, in the time it takes you to have a cup of coffee with a friend and have a conversation, we're going to talk today about some issues that are extremely important to the students and, and community here in Del Norte. And joining me today on Coffee and Conversation is the Assistant Superintendent for Student Services, Tom Kissinger. Hi, it's nice to be here. And our Director of Information Network Services. Yes. Ryan Botton. Success. (laughs) It is awesome to be here. It's only been three months. I finally got your title right. He got yours right today, but got mine wrong. Oh, did I? What were you? Educational services. Oh, there you go. (laughs) It's a good thing there's not a test or anything. I know. know. The superintendent would not pass. No, it would not. Short and long-term memory. So, um... You know, I, I think the the major thing that we have going on right now that we really want to get out to the community is about what's going on with phase two. So um, if, if everybody will recall, back in July, we were really working through how do we safely bring kids back onto campus. Uh, districts all over the state, really all over the country, were really struggling with um, what does it look like? Some said we're going to come back whole hog. And what we saw was we saw crowded hallways in Georgia that completely ended up shutting down because of the COVID transmission. We saw others that said we're not even going to give kids a chance to contract COVID. We're going to keep the entire place shut down. But we know that that has led to mental health issues. That's led to um, isolation. That's led to a lack of services for special education and other student groups. We really took a balanced approach. Um, Tom and I worked a lot on this. I talked to Ryan quite a bit. Uh, So you guys were involved in the process of kind of coming up with this phased uh, stepped model where we were talking about let's bring kids back for two weeks in full distance learning so that our teachers and our families could really orient themselves around distance learning, um, give us some opportunity to um, bring teachers back in, teach them some protocols, um, and then move in by September 14th was our target uh, into phase two. And in phase two, we still wanted to maintain distance learning, but we also wanted to start bringing back small cohorts of kids. Uh, So Again, for those of you who have heard that term before, the cohorts are basically just small groups of kids. And given um, the state guidance for the most restrictive setting, which is not where we are, but we chose to utilize that guidance anyway, those cohorts are about 14 students. um, And with each cohort, we would have one to two adults. So um, we were supposed to start that on September 14th, which is this coming Monday. However, we're not going to be able to um, for a variety of reasons. Um, so I think the first thing is really supply chain. So, Ryan, I know that you've done a lot of digging around uh, as far as the tech goes. Tom, you're working a lot with our um, early learners with special education. What are you guys hearing as you're trying to get supplies for the programs that you oversee? Well, we, we've talked about it with the tech. It's just... Um you know, the tech isn't available. And if it is available, it can't get here. Um, we're just, we're waiting, whether it's a vendor not able to manufacture it. Um, I had a, a long discussion with HP, um, the vendor we, or the, the manufacturer we get our Chromebooks from. And, you know, 
I understand. I think we all understand. It's not a blame game, but they're not getting the the supplies they need to build the Chromebooks from the chip manufacturers. Which you had, I think you told me was in Wuhan, China, which it is was. where COVID-19 <laughs> it started. It was, you know, and so, I mean, I get it. I understand it. I think we all can can understand it. It doesn't make it feel any better, but it's, it's the entire supply chain, you know, all the way up to and including, you know, this week, we're all pretty aware that... Um, some of the regular stuff I've been expecting from technology, whether that's just, you know, some more headsets or, or a webcam, you know, none of those orders are really showing up because there's this fire situation going on too. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Well, I also think that, um, you know, when I'm on talking to teachers, whether they're preschool teachers, um, teachers in our TK through 12 program, whether they're special education teachers, one of the questions that they're asking has to do with the supplies and materials, sanitary equipment that they need to have in their classrooms and ready to go. And we have some of that, but we don't have all of that. And a lot of this stuff that we ordered back in April, um, we were we were ahead of many other places in making those orders, thinking we were doing them on time, and we still don't have some of the stuff that we're expecting now. So... When I talk to teachers and talk to parents um, and explain to them that, you know, we just want to make sure that when we finally open into phase two and bring children back, that we can do so in a safe way where everyone is taken care of. I think people understand it a little bit more then. Right. Well, and, you know, and, and I... I think people have a hard time wrapping themselves, wrapping their heads around this supply chain issue. I, I think about the only way that I've really talked to people sometimes and said, hey, understand this is where we are, is referring them back to March and April when we said, remember what it was like when you wanted toilet paper? <laughs> because yeah. that's kind of where we are. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're looking for basic materials and supplies. We're looking for, in some cases, basic uh, cleaning supplies. And like you said, Ryan, now with 199 shut down, with the Red Salmon fire, with some of the fires further down south, it's significantly limiting um, trucking and shipping. Right? I mean, they're they're having a difficult time getting just getting basic things through. Yeah, and um, that being the case, we end up not having everything we need. So, and I know that it's frustrating when you need to push things back, but some of these things we just don't have any control over. Yeah. And we again, I'll repeat it, but Tom's one hundred percent right. We're not gonna, we're not gonna say, well, we have almost enough. That's not that's not enough, right? right. We have to have it and, and all of it and what we need to properly make sure that, that that safety is is paramount. Well, and I think what a lot of folks in our community may not really understand either is because it's easier now. I'm gonna say easier. It's not easy, but when you go to stores, now you can find bleach. Now you can maybe find some Clorox wipes. Now you can find toilet paper. Um, but we can't use that kind of, um, those kind of chemicals in classrooms and especially in classrooms around students. So the kind of, the kind of supplies that we're looking for uh, or that we have ordered, and they've been on order, I can't think of anything we've ordered less than six weeks ago because we've been, I mean, I think that was, that's been probably the most recent order simply because we'd ordered so much prior. Um, so we've been waiting longer than a month and a half to get these things in, but it's stuff like our Purell spray, which kills the coronavirus um, in 30 to 60 seconds 
and is safe around kids. Um, and that's the same sort of wipe that we're going to be using for cleaning and disinfecting, but we can't even get the dry paper wipes that we're going to be pouring the, 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 the chemical over, um, and they don't even have chemical on them. They're dry wipes. And we're still, they're, they're literally rolls of paper in a box with plastic. And we've been waiting on those for over six weeks. So it's pretty crazy. You know, and it's, it's, it's kind of, it's nuts that you, you, you really intuitively, you would think you could just go get the products that are, uh, in the store and on the shelf. Right off the shelf. Yeah. But we can't do that. No. We're, we're held to a higher standard here. And we, we, we can't just get those things and use them. And so we, we have, so we have to wait and waiting is difficult because not everybody understands why, and not everybody understands kind of everything that's behind it. And I get it. You know, I mean, parents and staff, we, we want, we want to be back. We want to be back in our schools. We, kids want to be back in our schools. You know, even today at Crescent Elk, walking around uh, as they were distributing the Chromebooks, mm -hmm. it just had that feeling of actually seeing kids in a school picking up something. And it almost felt like the first day of school for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Some of the, the teachers that were there supporting in the classified staff were just so happy. You know, you know, there was distancing. Nobody was, you know, hugging and, and we were all following the right protocols. But you could see it on on the teachers faces a lot, actually, that I was noticing, you know, even behind the masks, this the pleasure in being able to have some interaction with the, with the student. Well, and when you talk about waiting, too, I think we need to put it in perspective. Our families have been waiting to restart school now for six months right? March to September. It's been six months um, that kids haven't been able to sit in a seat and learn and socialize and have all those supports and play sports and those kinds of things. Um, so yeah, so I think that's where we are right now. So number one is the lack of supplies. So we don't have the spray, we don't have the wipes. Um, and, and we're still getting PPE. So Tom, I know that one of the things that we've done is we ordered um, or, or actually I think they were donated some of the, um, um, oh, what am I, the dividers, the plexiglass yes. dividers, which was a huge, huge, huge benefit to our staff. Well, because now with the plexiglass dividers, one of the things that we can do is assess children and we can actually provide some of the psychological and like speech and language therapy services mm -hmm. that we might not have been able to do before, but, um, we know that, with those dividers, there are more services and resources that we can provide to kids. So hearing that is just great news. Right. But we were able to get those, but now we're struggling to get things like gowns um, that will help us provide other services and that are necessary uh, before we bring back students who need kind of really, I think, intensive services. So, you know, those are the kind of things we're running into some real bright spots and some things that are just extremely frustrating, or I should say as frustrating for us as I know that they are for families. Two steps forward, right? Well, and, and you're another case, right? Because we've also talked about tech. Mm -hmm. So we've been short 300 computers, give or take, yeah. since the beginning um, of this whole ordeal. But but because of these computers that Tom mentioned that we, that we received from CTEF, the California Emerging Technologies Fund for the sixth graders at Crescent Elk, and a few other things, even today, you found a vendor that had maybe 50 on hand. Yeah, well. We've got 2,000 on order, but there's 50. Right. Yeah, there's 2,000 on order, but yeah, we're, we're really, I want to assure everybody we're 
reaching out to everybody and then people I've never even dealt with before. Just what do you have on hand? You know, maybe right. it's not what we would normally get, but this is going to meet the needs right now, you know? And so, um, what do we say before this, uh, you know, can't always get what you want, but we're going to get what you need. And so we are, we are working, um, to make that happen. So again, the combination of the, the CETF devices that are going to the sixth grade students as we speak at Crescent Elk, what we're recovering back from them will be immediately repurposed. And when I say immediately, I mean, between now and Monday to, to be ready to get, to get back out into students' hands as quickly as possible. Those that need it. Um, and in combination with really chasing down those, uh, those little pockets, you know, even if it is just 50, which is a lot still, or if it's, or if it's maybe 75, we're going to get those here and we're going to find them, you know, sooner as soon as we humanly can. Well, that's kind of what we were talking about. And I think it's the same with the, with the disinfecting supplies. It's not going to be tomorrow. Um, but with these computers within the next two weeks, two to three weeks, um, we're probably going to not see students, uh, without a device, um, to the fullest extent that we can at that point. So we'll, we'll close most, if not all of that gap within the next few weeks. Um, but the supply piece, that's still a huge unknown, right? Well, but I even say with the computers, um, we don't know what the shipping is going to look like. Right. You know, and I, you don't want to overpromise, right? And underdeliver. That's not that's not what we want to do. So, I, you know, you want to see the whites of their eyes, right? Um, I want to have them in my hands, but I have some I love level of confidence with the. You know, I got a call from CDE today saying, I don't know if you guys remember or not, but back in the spring we actually got a hundred devices, you know, via um, a, a grant through the California Department of Ed, and and those went out immediately. But I just got a call today that you know, guess what? There's another 50 coming to you. And that, that was just this afternoon and kind of out of the blue. Right. And those are ones that again are, are, are supposed to be here in a couple of weeks. So that's, that's going to help offset even another gap. So and every little bit helps. It does. Like, even it does. if it's 50 or 25, those are 50 more kids that are going to be able to get on and participate. So I think it's great. Well, and I, and I think the last, for me, the last real barrier is, so with tech, we've kind of been able to skirt tech just a little bit, um, but we're looking for hopefully an end in sight to that kind of drought of devices. Um, the second piece uh, really is the, the supplies, right? We talked about that a little bit, and hopefully those would be here any day. I mean, again, they've been promised for months now. Um and we were supposed to get a shipment today, but I don't, I haven't heard whether that's come in. But the third kind of um, issue here is also screening. So with our staff, um, our director of human resources, Colleen Parker, and Ryan worked on putting together a screener through Google uh, Forms that allowed for our staff to screen. So every day before staff comes into their school sites, they self-screen. Um, they answer some questions, and if they're healthy and they're able to come in, not, exhi- not exhibiting COVID-like symptoms, then they report to work. That same process has to happen with every child that comes on campus every day they come onto campus until the situation is resolved. Um, Ryan has been, well, if you know what Ryan and his guys have been doing, they've had a massive monumental task and they've more than stepped up and done a fantastic job. But behind the scenes, they're also building things and working with these companies to provide the easiest, most accessible screener to families that we can possibly find. Because the last thing we want is another burden. We're going to be required to do this 
but we want to make it as easy for everybody out there as possible. So, Ryan, you want to give a little update on that screener? Yeah, yeah. So the one you referred to that that Ms. Parker and I worked on a little bit, the one that staff is using now, you know, that's just not going to scale effectively. That's a great tool internally for staff, and it's meeting our need right now for the numbers that we have coming. But what we're looking at and what we're working on is um, with a, a vendor of ours that we're very familiar with, and they offer an actual medical tool that's specifically built um, for this purpose. Uh, it's a tool that's been around for a long time. It was adapted to really mimic and, and meet the needs for the COVID-19 passive screening. But you need to understand that that requires some database integration and you know configuration and setup and training along with that. And so we've been working closely with them Obviously, they're under the the vendor we're working with is under a lot of pressure as well. We're all uh, struggling under the weight of uh, of the demand. Everybody wants this screener, so we're working on it. And um, but again, that's another reason that um, you know not just the tech and not just the supplies, but that screener isn't ready today, not yet. So, just what is that screener, and how does it work? So, what it, it's 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 web based, and it's also an app, right? And so, you, if you have a, a smartphone device, um, Android or iOS, um, or or just access to a computer, um, it's a very straightforward, a couple of questions, uh, passive screening tool. You're going to answer, you know, are you exhibiting COVID-like symptoms? Um, if you had a temperature, if you've been exposed to anybody that that was diagnosed with COVID, those those normal questions that you might see if you were to walk into the hospital now um, that we would be we're going to be asking everybody to staff and students to be completing before they come on campus daily and so that's why it needs to be something built by a robust you know health professional kind of place and that's what this tool is well and so you know and you get that that automatic feedback too so if you're if you're a parent and you're plugging in information you're going to get that green screen that says, hey, it's okay to send your child to school today. You're going to get that red screen that says, hey, you, you may need to hold them at home and reach out to a medical provider. Um, it, again, we're, we're having everybody do that once this is out there. And this is for all 4,000, give or take, students in Del Norte County. Um, and so I think it's really important that everybody also understand that, like Ryan had said, uh, when we talk about our vendors, it's not like we can just go find somebody else and say, hey, can you do this? This particular vendor, uh, we know all of you as parents, you've accessed Aries at one time or another, whether it's looking at grades or looking at grade books or whatever it is. This links to Aries, so it automatically has your child's information. So you see that it's it's confidential, it's private. Um, it falls under the same uh, privacy laws that everything that we do function under, which is FERPA, the Family Educational Rights Privacy Act. And it also, um, I think, is even though we don't operate under HIPAA, which is the um, the Portability Act uh, help for healthcare, um, it still operates under HIPAA laws. Yeah, so it does. Um, yeah. It, it, it's a great tool for your privacy, for your child's privacy, but also uh, meets the needs for that screening. So this is kind of where we are right now. You know, I, I don't think there's anything any of us want more than to have kids on campus. School without kids in person just kind of doesn't seem right. No, it's uh, kind of surreal. It's a strange world we live in right now when you walk into a school and you don't see any kids. It doesn't seem right. It doesn't feel right. And it isn't right. That's and, right. And, and we want to we get to the right place as soon as we can, but we need to do it in a safe and healthy way. I just want to chime in. This might be optophic, and and maybe we can edit this out if we need to. But uh, we'll tell you this. <laughs> uh, 
it isn't it isn't right and in person is what we want but there's been a lot of successes i'm hearing some positive things out there this distance learning while it's not normal i'm not going to say it's perfect it's not perfect there's not not every single day and every single student and every single classroom is 100 percent success i don't think i don't think that's realistic but there's some really good things happening and so i don't want to discount that and there's well, a lot of people that are putting a lot of effort oh, out there do, into you know it. You there's know? no so, question about that. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen some incredibly innovative things, some real out of the box uh, teaching, some and, and some tremendous learning that's 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 happened uh, virtually. Um, it's it's yeah, we've seen some great things. But uh, yeah, what and I'm going to say not even not even tremendous learning amongst kids, but tremendous learning amongst oh, staff. For sure. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I I was talking to a staff member today who was just, I mean, they were in collaboration and they were having a blast putting together things for kids in ways that they've never put things for kids together before, right? So they were having a, it was great, but you know, like like Tom had said, I I really do think that many of our kids learn best at the feet of the teacher, right? However. What Ryan said is true, and I think this is a this is a very seminal and critical time in education because I don't think after all this, it's going to go back to the way it has been for the last hundred years. I think we're going to see more technology. We're going to see potentially the opportunity uh, for families to choose for the long term to engage in distance learning if they choose to. I think we're going to see some of those kind of shifts in what we're doing. And it's not teaching about technology, it's using technology to teach, which is also a fundamental shift within our school system. We've had, when I, when I was first a teacher, we had no computers in a classroom. I was one of the first teachers to get a few computers in the room. Um, and by the time I left the classroom, you know, we had computer labs and we had computers in the room that kids could use and all those kind of things. But over the years, what I saw was a lot of people who had kids doing exactly the same thing on a computer that they could have done with a piece of paper, right? That's not what we're seeing now. Yeah, it's not, not a replacement. We're going to integrate. It's, a, it's an integration. You that's know? right. So That's right. So, um, so we just want to let everybody know that we're not going to be able to start phase two next Monday just simply because we don't have the supplies. We're not completely stocked with PPE. And um, we don't have that screener available yet. Um, we, we are hoping that we can get those things taken care of this next week. We know hope is not a strategy. That's why Ryan's been on the phone and our facilities and maintenance have been on the phone and everybody's been on the phone trying to twist arms to get stuff here so we can have kids back safely with our staff. And um, our goal is to move into phase two on the 21st. If we're not able to do that, we will let you know as soon, as soon as we can, because um, we know that you have to continue to plan as well. Um, but regardless of us moving this from the 14th to the 21st or heaven forbid from the 21st to the 28th, our goal is still, our goal is still to bring back cohorts of half classes by October 5th. We want to make sure that we are not moving that date, um, just simply because we can't afford for kids to be gone anymore. Uh, and at some point we have to start, that is our start date for those double cohorts. And we just want to make sure that we have that um, focal point in mind moving ahead. Um, so, gentlemen, any any last thoughts as we kind of finish the the podcast for today? The only thing that I would say, Jeff, is for families and and students out there, um, 
just be patient, as patient as you can. Um, we're, we're moving as fast as we can, but in a way that's measured and in a way that's, um, that's really um, putting safety first. And I was actually going to say, and I swear before you said the word patient, I was going to thank the folks out there for their patience. Um, we're getting lots of phone calls. We're getting lots of emails and we appreciate those questions. And we're glad that you're calling. You've been very patient with us because it's, it's, we're getting back to everybody as soon as we can, but thank you for your patience and for your understanding. And the only thing I kind of want to leave everybody with is, is a myth bust. Um, I, I know Tom, Tom said Mythbusters stopped about five years ago, but we're reviving it. There, there's, there's nothing so, uh, you know, I think burdensome as, as, uh, false stories that start roaming around on social media and become part of the fabric of a community. One of the ones that I heard again, that I think we've addressed before is, um, this idea that if a child is being tested for COVID-19 or if a child shows symptoms of COVID-19 at school, that we're somehow going to take that child and we're moving them to some sort of school district COVID detention facility or something until the test comes back. Um, absolutely not true. Um, I've heard it from a couple of different sources. Absolutely not true. Um we don't have a detention facility. We're not planning on opening a detention facility. And as parents, they're your child. What we're going to do is we're going to, if we have a child who says, hey, I'm not feeling well, or we see that they have a temperature or whatever, we're calling you. We're going to have you come pick up your child and we're going we're gonna to maybe make some recommendations for you. But there is no detention facility. So this is about the second, third, fourth time I've heard this. I just want to make sure that everybody knows no plans for it. Nothing has been told to us by the state, the governor, the feds, anybody about a COVID detention facility for youth. Um, so just let that be the, the kind of closing word of the day. And I would encourage everybody, if you have questions, if you hear something that you go, that doesn't sound quite right. Like Ryan said, give us a call. We're more than happy to talk to you. You can also get more information at www.dnusd.org. You can get it on our app. If you download the app, you'll get push notifications. Check our Facebook page, check your school's Facebook page, listen for all calls. Um, if we, if you're not getting all calls, um, especially as we send out really important information, make sure that you contact your school to make sure they have a current phone number for you, a cell number for you and a current email, because we'll also try to get information out that way. Um, as you can tell, there are a million different ways we're trying to get you um, information as we move forward, uh, also look in the mail because there will be some universal precaution um, uh, directions that come to you as far as what it will look like when your child is ready to come back to school. We should have those out next week. And um, we also want to let you know that we'll be posting a schedule for a couple of parent trainings next week on those universal precautions in preparation for your children coming back in phase two or phase three. So again, like Ryan said, thank you for your patience. Um, like Tom was saying, our goal is to have your kids back as soon as we can, because they're your, they're your children. They're our students and, um, us working together is going to make their lives, uh, much richer and more fulfilled. So, um, thank everybody, Ryan, Tom, thank you. Thanks. Thank you. And everybody have a safe weekend.